Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This is the show where we explore the mechanics of the music industry through intimate conversations on creativity and biography episodes exploring the lives of iconic artists. This week, I'm looking at a chart-topping rapper who was rare in her originality. A fusion of street smart and pop style, Eve blew up as part of the Rough Riders crew. The label also responsible for the early growth of DMX and Swiss Beats and Jadakiss. Undoubtedly someone who broke boundaries and defied conventions, Eve's journey to number one was fast, but included lots of initial ups and downs. She had to carve her own path and she's experienced both being the label favourite and being dropped and releasing independently. So this is a lesson in entrepreneurship by Eve. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the decks. It's fire. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. On November the 10th, 1978, Eve Jehan Jeffers was born in Philadelphia to Julie and Jeffrey Jeffers. Nice bit of alliteration there. Julie and Jeffrey were supervisors of a publishing company and a chemical plant. They were together for Eve's early years, but they split up when she was 12 and she subsequently lost contact with her father. However, he had had an impact on her in those formative years, as when she was younger, she saw her dad DJing, uh, which he also did kind of on the side of his job, and that inspired her to look more into music and the opportunities in that space. Eve grew up in a pretty rough part of Philadelphia, so the opportunities and access to money was never going to be handed to her. The first expression of her music, before rap, was singing. In her early teens, she was part of an all-female vocal group of four gals, as she simultaneously built up her skills as a rapper through impromptu battles with friends, and rap kind of gradually excited her more and more than singing. Before she left high school at 16, she formed a female rap duo called, it's pronounced Egypt, but written E-D-G-P, apparently, um, which sounds very high school. Uh, And her name, her rap name was Gangster. And they performed at local talent shows and club gigs, really like wherever they could get an audience. And her focus really became on that over school. So then when she left high school at 16, it was a bit of a tricky time for Eve initially. She moved to New York and she briefly took a job as a table dancer, but she absolutely hated it. And she left swiftly, gaining only like the motivation to progress with music. So unlike, say, Cardi, who's like, oh, that was part of my story. Eve has never really spoken about that. And it definitely wasn't something that defined her or that she really learned from. It just gave her additional motivation to pursue music and make that work for her. She had some people who stepped in to manage her, but they also worked as drug dealers. And so they hatched a plan to get Eve to perform for someone who worked with Dr. Dre. The story is hilarious. So her managers who were dealing with this guy, they set up with him that Eve was going to be dropping off weed. So they said, oh, there's this girl coming over to drop off weed. And then basically... They said to Eve, this is the plan, but when you arrive, he's going to think you're dropping off weed, but actually we're going to get you to rap for him. It sounds kind of crazy, but it worked. She arrived, she started rapping. The guy was like, I'm so confused. Are you going to give him my weed? And then she was brilliant. So he was like, okay, this person's a real deal. He called Dr. Dre and said, you need to see this girl. And then she flew out to LA the next weekend. (laughs) So that's mad. I think the lesson from Eve there is not, have weed. (laughs) Um, But the lesson is be ready always. She worked so much on her craft as a rapper through her late teens that when they said arrive at house and just begin rapping, she was like, okay, 
you know, she was just always ready. And there was another example of this coming later on. Getting the meeting with Dr. Dre was her first big break. Dre signed Eve to a one-year deal on his new label, Aftermath. Aftermath? I don't know how to say it in an English accent because it's shady aftermath, you know, but I wouldn't say. Anyway, you know the label. She started creating material, but something about that label in Eve didn't work. She said, Dre did not know what to do with me. One song she recorded for the label ended up on the soundtrack to the film Bullworth in 1998. And that was like her first tangible success as an artist. But ultimately, she was dropped from that label aftermath before the year was up. But then I got dropped eight months later. What and was that? back in Philly. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what that felt like? Yeah, it felt like shit. It felt crazy. It felt crazy because I'd had this big going away party and like I was in this condo. I had all this money. Like I was 18. You felt like things were happening. I left Philly. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 things were happening. And then they dropped me and I was back home. It was like, I remember my biggest fear, actually. I didn't want to get on the bus. Like, that is one of my big... I was like, I'm not getting back on the bus. Like, that's yeah, crazy. Because you're kind of somebody. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, if people knew that I got back on the bus, like, that's nuts. I was depressed. Yeah. I find that really understandable, that feeling of failure. And it's a really hard truth of the vulnerability of being an artist without, you you know, if you don't have that solid found financial foundation. If you get dropped from your label, you're essentially going back to zero. You can't really pick up some freelance work to plug the gap like you can in more corporate careers. Fortunately for Eve, while this felt like a huge moment of failure, it wasn't the end by any stretch. And she ended up getting a message from her managers only a month after being back in Philadelphia saying, rough riders may be interested in signing you, but you're going to have to battle for it. So a month after being back in Philly, she got a call and she went to battle for her chance to sign to Rough Riders. And that's what she battled for, and that's what she won. So as I mentioned in the intro, that label Rough Riders included DMX, Jada Kiss, and Swiss Beats. And, and Eve said of her time with them, I have always appreciated that they never looked at me like, oh, she's the girl of the group. They treated me as an equal. After she signed, uh, they essentially put her in boot camp and they, they told her to focus hard on time for writing and creating and working on her ability in that area. And this was all leading up to her first album release under the label. The other thing that they did to build hype around her name was having her feature on huge tracks by already established artists. So those included Erica Badu. She was on an like, amazing Erica Badu track. Uh, she also featured on a Missy Elliott release, a Janet Jackson release, and also a Rough Riders group track. So this was a little bit early in my kind of, you know, I was I was too young when this was coming out to really be close to hip hop. But it sounds like what um, Young Money did with launching Nicki Minaj and Drake, where they had that track Bedrock. Um, and the, the artist had started bubbling in their own right, but that was really a huge song where everything, and Tiger as well, every artist that was on that track got a ton of eyes on them. Um, it was actually a remix that I was put on from Rough Riders. Um, it was the Stop Drop remix. Um, and that was pretty much my introduction that here's this girl we signed to Rough Riders. And I was in Harlem on 125th Street sitting in a, um, I think I was in a Suburban. And it came on Hot 9-7 and I was like, that's me. Eve's debut album, Let There Be Eve, Rough Riders' First Lady, (laughs) 
long, went to number one on its first week of release in September of the same year, which is actually insane. To debut at number one is, it shows, I think, how established Rough Riders were um, and how caught, like how dedicated their fan base was. But also the the buzz that had built around her and her brand. Um, and Eve became only the third female hip-hop artist to have an album debut at number one after Lauren Hill and Foxy Brown. And, you know, there's ep- Hot Girls episodes on both of them, so you can hear about their journeys. But Lauren, for example, had been with the Fugees for a while, so she'd had that, that space to build hype around her name as an artist. Let There Be Eve sold two million copies She was the first woman of Rough Riders and she had definitely earned that name, Eve, the first lady. I thought it was interesting that they had the crew name in her album title. Um, You know, as I was saying, that sort of shows that Rough Riders carried a lot of weight in itself, which isn't often the case for labels. They tend to be a bit more in the background. Most of the album was produced by Swiss Beats, uh, who, if you don't know his name, is a producer behind so much iconic hip-hop. He's worked with Jay-Z. He's worked on the Step Up 2 soundtrack, as well as releasing under his own name. And he's also Mr. Alicia Keys. Eve's first album also had features from Missy Elliott and Faith Evans. So she was in the right circles. A year and a half later, she followed up with her second album, Scorpion, which had the tracks which broke the UK, including Who's That Girl? And the Gwen Stefani collaboration, Let Me Blow Your Mind, which is one of those like really timeless, just such timeless records. And it won a Grammy for Best Rap Pop Collaboration. Eve said that the people didn't really get why she wanted to work with Gwen Stefani initially. She said, people thought I was crazy for wanting her on my record because we seem so different, but she was the only person for me. I think generally when when artists are thinking of who they want to collaborate with, they tend to immediately go to people who make similar music to them or their current genre. But the best collaborations in my and lots of other <laughs> people's opinion are from people who are from opposing worlds who come together and create something totally original. And a really simple, obvious example of that would be something like Numb Encore, where you you have two artists who you would never have put together. Dr. Dre produced some of the tracks on the album. So it's nice that any differences which came as a result of Eve being dropped from his label were put to the side and the initial appreciation that Dre had for Eve as an artist brought them back together to work together and create something good. And he actually produced Let Me Blow Your Mind. Eve was 22 by this stage. So so she'd had all this success really young and she'd started investing. The thing that's really impressive about Eve, you know, I said this was going to be about entrepreneurship she started investing the money she'd made from those first two albums already. I wonder whether the early fluctuations of vulnerability that she'd felt not having that stable financial base was a key motivator. But at 22, she had a house in New Jersey, a retirement plan, and a portfolio of investments. Her accountant told Rolling Stone, from a financial stability standpoint, Eve's ahead of 85% of people in the urban music business. I didn't know that Rolling Stone generally interviewed accountants, but um, I love that little snippet. Go on, Eve. And that attitude and approach was very much what I get from Eve. Like she definitely had sass and attitude, but she also had her head on straight. Her third album, Evolution, was released just a year after her second and it sold gold. It also released on Rough Riders and distributed and was distributed by Interscope. And it had features from Nate Dogg, Snoop Dogg, uh, all the dogs, and also Alicia Keys. 
It was more of a softer R&B sound than Eve's earlier stuff, and it didn't land as well. It was a few years before she released again. And when she did release again, it was two big singles, uh, Tambourine and then Give It To You with Sean Paul in 2007. But a fourth album never came. There was apparently some differences between Eve and Interscope, which were the distribution arm of the label. And so Eve left the label in 2010. I guess partly as well, it's that thing where you've had two albums which have sold really well, a third album which sold quite well, but not as well. And then generally that's when people start thinking, you've been good, but we're on to the next. So she eventually released the album Lip Lock, which was her fourth album, uh, but she released it independently and she found it really challenging, I think, trying to suddenly compete with what she'd been used to with with a huge label. You know what? I like to work hard. Like I like for me, it was something I had to do personally as like as a person, but also as an artist. Um, I'm happy I did it. It's the hardest work I ever done. Being independent is hard. But um, yeah, you know, I'm working on I'm about to start working on music again. Independent like, as well. Independent, but in a different way. Not as you're gonna get some help this time. Not as independent, yeah. Uh, like you were you doing know, everything yourself. I was doing everything Book myself. Call me. <laughs> Radio interviews call me. Like she's doing too much. No, nah, but you, I felt like I needed to because at the time, like, my management wasn't right. Like, mm-hmm. my, like, it just, it just wasn't right. Like, like, business-wise, it wasn't right. So I felt like I needed to do everything myself. She spoke about this period of time leaving a major label and trying to release independently, saying, I was on a major for so many years and then they let me go. That was one of the hardest times of my life. I didn't know what to do. I grew up on that label between 18 to 27 and I was deflated. But you know what? You pick yourself up again. It's so hard going, people often talk, a lot of the conversations I have like on this show or offline are about that difference between being with a label and being independent. And you get so many benefits from being independent in terms of freedom and you can you can steer where you want to go. But to actually, and you know, people talk about, well, with social media, you can sort of hack exposure nowadays, but there's nothing really like the power of just switching on money and people to accelerate an artist's career. And particularly when it comes to, if you want to have mainstream, huge pop success, you just can't do it independently. People talk about like someone like Chance the Rapper, or not to say you can't, but it just is it's very rare that it gets done because what you're competing with is a huge engine and you're kind of two legs spinning your, um, spinning your bike. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard, even with good connections like Eve had. One thing I will say, someone who's done it really well is Sierra. The album that she released Level Up with and stuff. She she built her own label and did it under that. And that did brilliantly. So while this was a tough time for her career-wise, it was a happy time in her personal life as she'd married her husband, Max, who's a British man who'd made a lot of money through a business he'd founded called the Gumble Rally. Uh, they dated for about four years after meeting at one of his rallies and they married in 2014. Career-wise, Eve's fire and ambition was never going to go away. But after her independent release didn't kind of catch fire, she decided to transition into a new space and began focusing on acting and television work. She starred in Barbershop, the movie, alongside Ice Cube. And then in 2017, she joined the American TV panel show, The Talk. She did that show through 2020, but decided at the end of 2020, having hosted remotely from London through coronavirus, to leave and focus on other ventures which would allow her to remain in London with her family. And that includes a podcast. And she also re-released this year um, some of her previous albums. And I think there's a lot more to come from Eve. Um, And she's in my city. 
So to wrap up, she hustled, she hustled, she hustled. She learned everything that she needed to learn and she got the success from it. But then to have a career of longevity, she's had to learn different lessons and move into different spaces. But I think she's an incredible, focused, powerful, inspiring woman and just a really cool person. So if you're listening, Eve, like, can we go for a drink? (laughs) Have a good week, everyone. And see you next week. Bye. At the end of the day, we all got lucky and got plucked out of our hoods and lived these amazing lives. But you cannot be so far in your bubble to think that you are not a part of what this history is.